Welcome to episode 792 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 792 of I'm Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Good. Weather report for today is it's rubbish in Christchurch, pissing down with rain, and we've both got our blankets over our legs. Both got our blankies? Because it's pretty chilly. I have put the heater on, but I did only put it on about 10 minutes ago. Mm. So it's going to get there. It's area, pretty good heat Area up. for improvement on you. Yeah. I, was, I had a shower, you see. Mm. Put warm clothes. I was actually quite toasty. Right, I'm not. Yeah, so it's a big difference. You hear that whistling in the background. <laughs> that's the wind buffeting into Bevan's house. Yeah, buffeting in. It's rubbish. It's all go. Okay, Jombo, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our patron partners. And we've got a few cool patron partners, actually. First of all, Profile Design. Hydration wheels, storage, aerobars, stems, handlebars, you name it, they do it. Uh, the Magic 5. Custom fitted swimming goggles. Check them out, themagic5.com. Uh, World Triathlon Store. Come to imtalk.me and click on store and you can get all your cool imtalk gear from the World Triathlon Store. And other cool gear as well. And also if you sign up to become a patron, you support the show and you go in the draw to win prizes from our patron partners. Some of the patrons that we have include... David, the Dream Unit Richards. Oh, I'm going to say it is Larry, Lord Business. That's good yes, one. Uh, one. Yep. And Neil, Lord Flashheart Thompson, who also has actually got some contribution into today's show. So good on you, Neil Thompson. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news, hot topic of the week, high five, geek corner, maybe coach's corner. See how time's going. And then winger of the week, questions and answers at the end. Okay, John, we did have a few 70.3s happen over the weekend. So what happened in those races? We had a new challenge race in Budvar. Um, Lucy Hall took that out from Emma Bellum and Alice Visser. and on the men's side, my our favourite, Patrick Langer, he, he won it. And I thought, I'm sure I saw on Facebook that uh, Magnus Ditlev won that race. And he did cross the line first. But? However, got disqualified for being taken off the course on the bike by the lead, lead vehicle by the sound of it. So he... Um, yeah, they just took him the wrong way and he got an, un- an advantage because of that and it wasn't his mistake, but they had to obviously disqualify him, which was unfortunate. Um, and Rudy Wilde was second behind Patrick Langer and Nils Frumhold third. And, uh, 70.3 Lanzarotti and Haug pulled out a bloody storming run uh, to run away from Nicky Bartlett and Indy Lee. Daniel Backengard, who many regard as one of the top 70.3 athletes now, he got third at the World Champs. He took that out in front of Mika Nude and Thor Madsen. On the women's side, Lisa Norden took that out from... Oh, that was the no, that was a week before. That was the weekend before, but we didn't have a show last week. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, geez, she raced two weekends in a row. Else Vissa, she got second there behind uh, Lisa Norton with Lucy Hall third. And Lucy Hall also raced two weeks in a row, taking third at Challenge Solo and uh, first the weekend after. I will say at the Challenge Solo race, they had the swim got cancelled because of um, really windy conditions. So they had a 5k run to replace that. Uh, Colin Chartier took out the men's race in front of Jurig van Egdom and Robbie Deckard. And Colin Chartier was the guy who was a real last minute call up into the Collins Cup team for America and ended up racing pretty well. He did too, didn't he? Yeah. And there was one final race, which was 
the weekend before last, which was 70.3 Memphis. Ali Salthouse took that out from Jackie Herring and Ali Brow, and Jason West took out the boys' race from Bradley Vice and Mark Dubrick. Lots of 70.3s. There was one other result that you haven't got written down here. Yes. Uh, which I'm sure you were saving to the end of the show, but uh, I heard that the young fellow beat the old man. The Nelson International Triathlon. Uh, yeah. International now, I've, I've been asking you for a while. I said, when, when's it going to happen? Yeah. And you said it's a couple of years away. What happened, John? Uh, should we talk about that at the end of the show? Because that oh. might go on for a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll be, be prepared. We're, we're doing the tease because you're going to find out how the young fella took out the old bugger. Mm. Uh, 70.3 World Championships for New Zealand, which has been kind of bummed over the last couple of years with COVID, has now been bummed confirmed. Bummed bumped? Bummed <laughs> and bumped. <laughs> bummed because it's a bummer that we haven't been able to do it. Uh, so it's going to be happening in 2024. Uh, that means that so next year is going to be St. George and then 2023 is going to be in Finland. So it is going to get here probably to, and to be honest, although I, you kind of hope by 2023 COVID's a thing of the past, but um, 2024, it does guarantee it's going to happen here, doesn't it? That's right. So that's a good Unless thing. we get COVID 20, unless we get COVID 22 or something like that come out. But no, mm. it's going to be good. Topo, it'll be, it'll be a really late season race for any of you guys in Northern Hemisphere. It'll, I think they're going to be holding into December. I think initially first time first time round, which was, was be like when was that November, supposed to be this this year? Yeah, or last year even. I can't remember. I think it was supposed to be this year. Uh, it was going to be in November. So wait a second. So they're going to make it later? Yes, yeah, so it's going to be in December. So is that a bit more of a gap after Kona? Um, more so, the weather will be a bit more reliable and the water temperature will be a little bit better. So that's probably the main reasons. That's interesting. So good idea. One thing you could do if you're thinking about this. Come out, it, it'll likely be. I'm pretty sure I saw the date, it'll be mid December. So, like, about the the problem, the reason I know this is because it's going to clash with my Oxman race. So, I'm going to have to change that. Oh, probably. shit. Uh, it'll probably be like the 12th, 13th, something around that yep. date. Um, well, you have to change it because it's going to be sellout. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's you've got to qualify. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't decided on that yet. Uh, but anyway, if you want to come out to New Zealand, Go and do the race and then spend Christmas in New Zealand for a couple of weeks. Have a summer Christmas. Oh, it'd be a wicked way to spend your summer coming down to South Island after the race. Yeah. Okay, coming up this weekend, we've got uh, I'm the Ironman Mal Walker. And uh, let's have a look at who's racing. Bloomingfield. No, Bloomingfield's not racing this one. Oh. We've got Florian Angert, Bart Arnott, Christian Hogenhag, uh, the top three on the men's side. Bart Arnott, we haven't heard of him in a while, have we? Yeah, we've got Cam, Cam Worth in there, Michael Weiss as well. Again, really big field. We don't know how many of these people are going to rock up, but pretty solid uh, stuff. You've got Jackson Laundry in there as well, who performed really, really well in the... Collins Cup um, when he took out Joe Skipper who was on, on on a pretty good day so it'll be interesting to see how he goes because it doesn't look like he's done an iron distance race um, based off Torsten's ratings here so yeah the top seed is Florian Angert who's been lighting it up on the 70.3 circuit on the, the bike uh, so watch that one with interest and on the female side you've got Fenella Langridge, Lisa Norden and Joc- Jocelyn McCauley as the top three seeds I'll be interested to see how Lisa Norden goes given she's raced yeah. A couple of 70.3s recently, but also she did Lake Placid earlier in the year where she beat um, 
the American Jackson, Heather Jackson. Yeah, Heather Jackson. Good yep. memory, memory, Bevan. Yep. Um, but she didn't. She blew up a bit on the run and was walking and so on. So I'll be interested to see if she can put in a really dominant performance or not. So, so good luck for everybody doing Mallorca this weekend. So looking ahead over the next few races, we've got some exciting races coming up. Well, we, first of all, we will be interested to see how Bloomingfield does in Ironman because mm-hmm. um, he's got the qualification for Kona now because they gave it to the Olympians. And I, well, I assume that'll roll well, over. Well, not to Kona, Kona. the World Championships. That well, might, surely it does. Well, no, it'll roll over until the World Champs for St. George yeah. in May. So you it think he's trying to qualify roll. for next year? Yeah, it may well not roll over into to Kona for next year. And likewise, uh, but, but surely it must. Well, no, because it because now now they're qualifying for next year's race, not twenty twenty. Yeah, the, the, this will be qualifying for next year's race but for Kona but his next Olymp- year. No, but his Olympic oh Olympic, they could see the Olympic champions. You can come and do Kona, um, but that'll be now. You can come and do St George. Yeah. so he will have to qualify for Kona, and this would qualify him if he does well. Correct. Here. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, just interesting to see how he does in an Ironman. Hmm. You think he'd do all right? I think he'll do all right. He does well at halves, but halves is a very different story to a full. What's his strength? He's an all-round athlete, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a little bit weak in the swim from an ITU, from a world triathlon perspective, but you put that into Ironman, yeah. he'll be you know, front pack. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's strong all round. Would he have the weakness, because he's a bit of a hard-ass, of, no well, dis- of a, not figuring out the race? You just go hard and you just detonate because you yeah. haven't got that pace. I've seen control. a lot of like short course guys do that. Mm, but yeah, it's pretty good, pretty strong. They do. I'm pretty sure they do huge volumes. So I think you'll be all right. But either, I'm even more interested to see uh, Ironman California, which is coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. Now, no, no, I know you've got here Eden versus um, Gasolfin versus Fredino, but. Um, when, I remember Santa saying that it's kind of the unofficial world champs. Is it still turning out to be a pretty strong field? Or, or? It is a strong field, and we'll talk about that next week probably. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you guys will know more than I do in terms of those people that follow Lionel Sanders really closely because initially he was going to be doing it, and then he did his last nine man, and he wasn't going to be doing it. So I don't know if he's racing or not. He doesn't appear to be on the start list. Uh, well, let me just double check. Where is that on try rating? Yep. Um, Anyway, but that, that's the battle that I'm intrigued because realistically, love Lionel Sanders, um, awesome. He's not going to be troubling Jan Fredino if Jan Fredino's having a good day. Um, but Gustav Eden, on the other hand, never done nine man and is the, uh, arguably, you know, Jan Fredino wasn't at 70.3 world champs, but he's consistently shown he's the best 70.3 athlete in the world. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see if he rocks up. What about Rasmus? Uh, Lionel Sanders is still listed on Torsten's try ratings as, as entered in the race. Um, whether he's going to do it or not, we shall wait and see. You've still got Hoffman, you've got Cam Worth. Uh, great field. Yeah, yeah, it's a good field. It's not a Kona field, but it's a, it's a good, what about, is it a B you'd field? Call it, you'd call that a regional championship sort of level yeah. field. Now, fit male only, is it? It's a good question. Looks that way. Yeah. Yeah, two slots, total price boost. Okay, there you go. Um, okay, uh, also got Clash, which was current, was formerly the Challenge Daytona, is now called Clash. Now, interestingly, you noted here that PTO has no link, so it's only 100000 Yeah, so this, this was massive money last time yeah. around. Um, so still good money, $100,000 is is solid, but it's not the But for the field it's got. Yeah. You know, like the field is stellar. Mm-hmm. Both male and female. So the female side, you've got Lucy Charles, Laura Phillip, Anne Haug, Emma Pallant, Jenny Metzler, Sky Monch, Kat Matthews, Paula Finlay, Jackie Herring. So you've got you know, the majority of the best athletes in the world. You just don't have Danielle Reef. She's taking a bit of a break. Um, on the boys' side, you don't have uh, Fredino, but you've got Blumenfeld, Skipper, Backengard, Canute, 
Ron Berg, Florian Angert, Sam Appleton. You know, really, really strong field. So looking forward to it. It will be, be interesting to see how they do the coverage compared to last time, um, which was which was really good. It'll be interesting to see if they keep keep up the same standards. And it's it's obviously under a different brand name now. It's called Clash. Now Clash is who again? Clash is basically Challenge America. So it's owned by Challenge? No, they're a completely separate entity. Okay. Really don't think they have anything to do with each other now. Okay. Not 100% sure on that, but it's pretty much they've just gone their own way. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember what the price money was last time, but it was a lot more. Okay, um, course accuracy. Hi, guys. This is coming through from Terry, the dirty little secret. He's just saying that he did Austria. He said the distance is legit. He swam three three seven five hundred, biked one hundred and eighty, ran forty two on the run. Really amazing event, stunning scenery and great organisation. I really recommend the race. This swim is stunning. The lake is crystal clear. The final K in the canal is super fun. Lots of people encouraging on the sides, making it a great atmosphere. The bike has sixteen hundred metres of elevation, but the uphills are quite short and sharp, and the downhills are very long and steady. That's that's kind of how we want, isn't it? It is. It's kind of a, bit, a little bit. Like Wrote. Yeah. Uh, hence the fast times. The run is quite straightforward. Two big loops, uh, but not a lot of turns. I didn't have a good day. It was a battle with the sinus. Uh, was it? Some bit of sinusitis. Sinusitis. In the last two weeks prior to the event. So I almost didn't start, but I just wanted to participate and finish. Completing, uh, competing for will be for another time. So, yeah. Always good to get some course accuracy. I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that uh, Austria traditionally used to be a short course. They had fast times again this year, but good to see they've uh, got things accurate. Nice what work. Are, what are the slow races now? Lanzarote? What are the slow races? Because there's a lot of fast races now, isn't there? You know, when we think of the times we're seeing, yep. now athletes, shoes, gear, you know, everything's stepped up another level in the last kind of five, ten years. But what are the races where we're still seeing eight and a half? Uh, Lanzarote isn't actually that slow, I don't think. Um, Ironman Wales, I mean, that hasn't been held for a couple of years. That's so uh, reasonably slow. Um, Ironman France has got a reasonably tough bike course, but then you have had a long downhill at the end, so you're kind of quite fresh for the for the run. Um, there was a few, lump, few, still a few lumpy ones out there. Wisconsin is a bit lumpy. Don't have all the stats to hand, but um, yeah, there's. Yeah, when you look around, there's there's a reasonable amount of variety, and there's plenty of non-branded races where there's uh, you can go to whatever. It's yeah, but I am to. just thinking about Ironman here. People loved Wales, and it wasn't a fast course, but the feedback we got was rote like, and you know, like as in massive. Yeah, people absolutely loved it. So it's good to have challenging races out there. You know, we all want to do those fast ones, but. So the problem with the fast ones, they're just a bloody draft fest now. And so you've got to go in with your eyes wide open. If you're going to go do a flat Iron Distance or Iron Man race with three or 4,000 people out there, you've, you're just naive if you think it's going, not going to be a draft fest. Um, just un- very unfortunate. Yeah, it's a bit of a bugger. Okay, let's get on to the discussion. So we did this a couple of weeks ago. If you'd raced in Iron Man championships before, how motivated would you race World Championships in a different venue versus going back to Kona. And it's so Lots good of discussion around this. everybody agreed with me. So <laughs> good on you. So again, Bevan, you're wrong, I'm right. Okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, overwhelming agreement with, with me. So uh, Sean Barker said, um, I'm as motivated as doing as to do this as I would be to do the ITU World Long Distance Championships, which is probably a negative one saying... 
Um, Alex, Reach has got people don't want to race Kona because it's the World Championships. They want to race Kona because it's Kona. Why not hold the World Championships elsewhere and keep Kona? Wouldn't change much. There would still be qualification systems in place and would demand highly, hugely outnumber the race slots. Uh, An interesting question is, what would happen if they wouldn't have prize money if the pros stayed away? Would that change the appeal for the age groupers? Of course, why would Ironman do that? They want to build the status of the race up, not destroy it. Here comes my supporters crew, Rob Dallymore. Uh, have raced it three times. This is Hawaii. Have been there to watch it three times. Uh, I'm ready to do the Ironman World Championships somewhere else now, but I'd still like to see Kona remain as an Ironman to do, just not the World Champs every year. Nice work, Rob. But, but I, don't, I, don't, I, can't, I can't remember what our disagreement was. I think my disagreement was if it wasn't the World Championships, would, would it be still appealing for people to go? Mm. And yeah. But, but Rob kind of didn't disagree with you then. He's, it's, well, he says we'll take the world champs somewhere else. Yeah, but, my, but I don't, I, I'm not saying it's the problem. I'm, I'm totally into that. I'm saying long term, does it hurt Kona's aura if yeah. you don't have the world championships there? Of course it does. It just it's a yeah. matter of how much it does. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Doyle's got, I would be as motivated as wanting to have my fingernails pulled out. So he really <laughs> wants to do it. Jordan Blanco, having raced Kona eight times, I'd love to race at World Champs at a different location, especially St. George. At the end of the 2019, 2019 I qualified for Kona 2020, now in St. George 2022, but turned out turned down the slot because I'm just not great at handling the heat, humidity of Kona. However, as a relatively strong cyclist, I'd love to race the St. George course as a World Champs event. Fiona Davidson's gone, for me the experience was being in Kona. Spent years reading about it with some of the great athletes who have competed. The highlight for me was meeting Mark Allen, Dave Scott, Paul and Newby Frazier, and then going on the course where they, the legends had set the course. My race was rubbish, but I finished and so glad of having the experience, but no desire to go back. A once-in-a-lifetime experience for me. There are other events I feel have better courses and support. Lanzarote in Wales. Belinda Hollingworth, I've raced Kona once. I truly believe that for the competitive triathlete, a world championship should go to a variety of locations so the different strengths of the different athletes can be seen. Maybe some colder and hillier locations. You can still have an Ironman in Kona that clearly athletes will attend, but I do not believe it should have the world championship title every year. Please don't yell at me for my differing opinion. I'm not yelling with you, Belinda, at all. I'm thinking we're confused about what our opinions was. Ben Purcell has got, um, I never raced Kona. Can't see myself having the time or commitment to qualify. However, I have raced the second most iconic iron distance triathlon road, as well as the 70.3 world championships. I loved both experiences in in different ways I would love the opportunity to race Kona and if I was good enough to be an Ironman World Championship too even if even if it wasn't Kona sorry uh, even I would do it even if it wasn't good enough um, I'm with John and this on this Bevan and Bevan is wrong well, there you go oh nice who was that again keep Kona as an iconic race with much wider spread abilities so, so you must have said it doesn't need to be World Championships all the time yeah and I said I think it will hurt the race long term mm-hmm. yeah so, because my question is, if you turn up, if, if it's not the World Championships, is Mark Allen going? Is Paul and you? Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're going to be there. Mm. And then you're not going to see Fredino. You're not going to see, mm-hmm. in one year, you're going to get a bit of a backlog. Mm-hmm. Five years later, it's, it's not the same race. Oh, well, no. I don't, Look at, I don't and the great, great argument for this is Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice was a Kona in its day. And every year all the rock stars turned up. And I bet, guarantee at that time, you would have gone, I want to do Nice and I want to do Kona. Mm, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm, I just we we 
look back through our spectacles back through history and I don't even I wasn't around when Nice was on it no but imagine for the, for imagine pros. for all triathletes in the world at the time the two races you would have wanted to do was Nice and Kona mm. and now no one wants to do Nice like it, it's a race on the I calendar do it, so it's yeah no but, but it's not mm. it's not it's a rote it's not a Kona you'd say rote would be if, if you said what two races do you want to do you'd probably say Kona and rote yeah yeah totally mm. now rote it's more the spectator experience. Mm-hmm. You know, Rote still gets a really stellar field, but the spectator in in the history, but it's that kind of riding through 100,000 people thing, you know, that's mm. the buzz of Rote. So, okay, sorry, uh, next one. Um, I'm done. Uh, I've done all the ones that support me. <laughs> I care about all the others. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll go down to the bottom. I'll, I'll see how I see what, you, you did another one there. Uh, Joe jo Bell. Oh, oh, Simon Mulligan. I'm all for changing place locations. Joe uh, Bell's got zero uh, percent for me. I do not remotely, I'm not remotely competitive once I get to World Championship race. So it's all about the experience at that point. Qualifying is the achievement. Kona is the reward. I've done Kona twice and gone once as a spectator. Kona during the race week is an awesome experience. Kona is just another Ironman. Wouldn't measure up, and neither would World Championship as a different venue. I realise that things can change, but I'm really glad I've got to do the full authentic experience. The same goes for Mass Start. The entire field treading the water waiting for the cannon to go and then battling swimming is memorable for sure R.I.P. mess starts yeah uh, last one I'll do Gildas Dubois will probably end up in Las Vegas and die a slow death of corporate greed loss of relevance and additional cheap strippers and penny slot machines yeah so I, I can't remember what we were arguing about but my point is if, if you don't have the world championships there it, it, like maybe you get away from it every two years mm. but but to me, twenty. Let's say you, you only did it five years, every five years for there. Twenty years from now, Kona would only be appealing on the years of world mm. championships. But do we just want to do the same old thing we've done? It's awesome. Don't get me wrong, Kona's awesome. The whole experience is cool. Um, but do we just want to stick with the tried and true, or go down the path where we try something different and we try to expand the sport a little bit more? And one argument I would have is you look at seventy point three world champs when that started at. Clearwater and stuff. It was like well, that was a disaster. That was a, disaster. That was a joke, yeah. and it was just it became a bit of a joke for for a number of years. Now, it's pretty prestigious to go to seventy point three world champs. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as Cone. I'm not trying to kid people that it is, and I agree that if you had the world championships elsewhere in the world, it's not going to be quite the same as Kona. But I think from Ironman's point of view, they can kind of have their cake and eat it. I think Kona will still sell out every year for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah, and but years. I think the thing is they won't have they won't have this quite the same experience. You can still have the underpants run. They do all these other experiences at other events as well. You won't have necessarily the pros there if they they may or may not have a pro race. You may not quite have the same razzmatazz, but it'll open up Kona for more people to do it rather than the, than the same people get to do it, not the same people, but a lot of people get to do it year after year. And so I think from an equality point of view, you give people, more people the opportunity to do it. So there's definite negatives, but I think a lot of people here are just looking at the negatives and not looking at the, the upside. Well, to me, the thing is, is kind of lots of Ironman races sell out. Mm. That's not the problem they have. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 thing is is what's what's best for the sport, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. There's two coins, two sides of the coin for this because for the pros, what's best for the sport is it moves. Yeah, you know, for the pros, so it's fair is that it moves around so different types of athletes can get benefits on different types of courses, and and all all sports, you know, 
well, that's not true because like in the majors and tennis, but but then again, the majors and tennis you have four race four competitive environments where where they're all completely different, and in golf, so you know like it's a bit different when you look at the majors because it's more than one event, mm-hmm. whereas in our sport at this stage, you know, Collins, you know, the PTO may change that we may end up having four events which are quite iconic and quite different, but when we look at Kona, it is very biased to a certain type mm-hmm. of athlete or, or at least someone who can handle the heat. Mm. Um, so to the pros, I don't think it's the best thing. For you the, don't, or you do? No, I don't think it's the best thing. It's always in Kona. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you yeah. Don't think it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think ultimately, if, you, if if we go back to the history of the sport, would have the same guys always been the world championships winners? Pro- probably not. It's hard to know that. It's no, because there would have been some guys like the yeah. big cyclist guys. Mm. You know. Who couldn't been, handle the I heat? I think it'd be pretty close. Yeah, so there would be. be Fredino's going to win anywhere. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, Fredino is, and like a Mark Allen in his day, mm. he was winning everywhere around the world anyway. But there'd be guys that maybe finished five through fifteen that might have got on the podium. Yeah, mm. and it might have been like like Molina, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know, like he got one win, but he might have got a couple more. Um, so there is, you know, that change. So for me, the pros, I think it's fair and. Of the short survey we've done of pros so far, most of them seem to be in support of it moving. Granted, we haven't asked all them, but the last few interviews we've done, they've all sort of said, yeah, I'd be happy to see it move around. But then for the best, what's best for the sport, mm-hmm. the, the, it's kind of like the All Black brand. Mm-hmm. You know, most people around the world don't know what, what rugby is, mm-hmm. but they've heard of the All Blacks, you know, and so it's kind of like, you know, most people don't really know what I mean, but when they hear of I mean, they hear of, they think of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I just think the brand is too strong. Why would you, why would you hurt it? Yeah, you know, just so pros can, you know, yeah. like at the end of the day, it's still an awesome pro race, mm. you know. And I do think that the everyone, everyone who's saying, oh, you know, well, the problem here is we've gone back to people who've gone a few times. Mm-hmm. If we go back to Joe Public and you say, well, you want to do kind of all the pros went there and you know, ensure you sort of the only run, most people go, oh, I'd rather do it the year the pros were there. But would you go if you qualified on a year the pros weren't going to be there? That was your your chance to go and do it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, it'd be a, it'd be a bit of bit of pill because mm. you'd go, mm. but you'd be like, mm. Mm. you know, especially if, especially if you. I think your theory was every third year was in Kona, was it? Mm-hmm. You go, oh, maybe I should try harder on you know try to get that year. Must try harder. Yeah, must try harder. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting discussion. It's. I'd be really interested to see if they I don't think it's anything. changing. Oh, I Oh, you reckon? You reckon I'll change it? Uh, I, I don't know. Who knows? No, it's a golden ticket. Uh, okay, this week's discussion. We've got an email through from, who was this from? Greg. Uh, Greg, so, uh, Greg Land. Land. He's got, I enjoy quite a few, I like, listen to the show, and I thought I would re- I quite mention. enjoyed the show. I quite enjoyed the show. Yep, it does enjoy the show. Um, uh, I thought I'd recommend or mention the 3,100 mile, that is not a typo, foot race around a, what, a 1,500 a point five four eight eight mile block in Queens, New York. This race is currently going, and today is day twenty six. Now he sent us a while ago. Yeah, so, so it's probably all done by. Oh no, they're probably not quite done by now. Uh, halfway to the cutoff time, I saw the race in person for the first time this year, and while they're running, walking about thirteen to fourteen minute per mile. It's hard to explain just how this can be done for endless hours. So they go from six a.m. to midnight. Day after day, both physically and mentally, seems beyond comprehension. I mentioned this race specifically to you because, uh, both because I think it deserves mention in your podcast. It is an unbelievable achievement, as well as the fact that it's only females in this year's event. 
There's uh, only one female. In this oh, sorry, only one female. Um, Harrietta Davies is originally from New Zealand. So they do. Is it one of those? Was it Shirley Chomley? Shirley Chomley. Um, we actually also had a. Was it Sandy Bar? Because that was that was her name, wasn't it? A yeah. Kiwi woman who won that race. I think she might have won it overall as well as winning the women's one. That was quite a long time ago, and she wrote a book that I read. Was it good? It was the book. Uh, I can't. I don't really relate particularly well to those sort of events and yep. people that choose those challenges. It's just, I just think it's just weird, but they probably think we're weird as well. Um, it's just power, it's power walking. And I've got oh, utmost really? respect for the people that do it. You know, it's a mental challenge as, as much as it is a physical challenge. Um, I just find them just weird challenges, to be honest. But it's just... So it's, it's not really it's, running. It's, run, it's, just... it's 3,100 miles of running around basically a half mile circuit. <sighs> so you, what are you doing? 6,000 odd laps of that. Ooh, that doesn't from sound from like six AM to and, and it's basically first it's sort of as a race. It's basically yeah. get the distance done. It's not keep going. So, so, like, so how long does it take them? Well, he said they're on day twenty six and they're halfway to the cutoff. That's halfway to the cutoff to complete it. Who knows how long they take? But anyway, this sort of stemmed an idea for me. Uh, we had a couple of questions in mind. Um, how would John suggest someone train for such an extreme running event? I haven't got any advice on that one for for, for you know for an ultra and things like that then I'm in my realm, but for something that takes that long, um, I have never really researched how to train for an event that's going to take, you know, a month to do. Um, could a pro triathlete win this race? How many are capable of a sub three-hour marathon after the swim bike? If they could choose, would they do... Uh, anyway, what this sort of stemmed for me was, I thought, which pro athlete would be the best if they had to do a continuous decker race? So a decker race, yeah. a continuous one, is a 38k swim, 1800km bike ride, or a and a 420km run. So there's two formats with a decker. You do an Ironman a day for 10 days, or you do the continuous one, and then you break it up um, how you see fit. So I would be interested to know people's opinions on which pro athletes would be the best if you did a continuous decker race. So of that... Um, what kind of lap, what, what kind of setup we're we going to do? You're going to do, look. Remember, we did, interviewed the guy years ago to Decker, and he did that that format. Mm. And basically, you're allowed to sleep as much as you want, aren't you? You mm. rest as much as you want. But it was a, what it was it? A 25 meter pool, a 4k yep. bike, and then a 2k run. That's pretty standard. Yeah. <sighs> Sometimes maybe the bike, maybe a little bit longer than that. But yeah, no, it's it's a multi lap format. So you got minimal <laughs> track management. That's a, that's a multi multi. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, It'd be an interesting place to go within yourself. What, mm. So in this book, what'd she say? What, 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 where did she go? Well, she just went men, um, to really mental places. One, uh, and I've probably told, told this before because I just found this bizarre. She was, and it may not have been in this race, it may have been in another one. She did Across America and all that sort okay. of stuff. But she came to a point where she stopped on the road and they had the support car behind her. Maybe this was must have been a point-to-point one because the support car was there, I think. And she came to a point and they said, why are you stopping? And she said, well, I can't go through because of the spider web. And oh, really? there's a b- massive big spider web in front of me, and she was hallucinating. They said, No, there isn't. And she was convinced there was. So they got a pair of scissors out of the car, and they pretended to cut around it. And then she said, Okay, I can carry on now. Wow. Um, and one other one, one other story that you I remember that. was, and it may have been this particular race in Queens in New York, but there was a prison nearby or a mental asylum or something like that. And somebody escaped. <laughs> and it was like some mass murder or something like that. Actually, it was, should actually happen. It actually, actually happened okay. and ran across and I think either knocked her over or ran close to her and apparently it was a mass murder that, that ran straight past oh, her. Oh, really? Hmm. 
Sandy Barwick's book if you want to read it and then you'll probably find out that my storytelling was pretty woeful and it was nothing like that but the, the spiderweb one I do particularly remember I remember we spoke to the guy who did do the Decamen now this interview was a long time ago and we were kind of like where do you go and he goes you're kind of somewhere else but you know you've got to keep moving mm. you know like all you know is that you just have to keep moving because you just you go to you, you, you are in La La Land aren't you mm. and uh, I remember also Jim Cotter remember we interviewed him a few times mm-hmm. Jim Cotter is a very you know, one of New Zealand's top sports scientists and he did um, like uh, eco challenge eco challenge and stuff like that and you know just the hallucination and stuff like that that they have to deal with in that and in that sport it's a bit different because they're often in the water so it's really risky Mm. and whereas you know running just around you know you're pretty safe in a race like this Mm. you know because you've got your support crew they're going to see you every you know a few minutes Um, yeah mind blowing well I remember Another guy, Mark Elliott, who's involved in various high-performance oh, yeah, sports he in New Zealand. Me yeah. Triathlon, yeah. He was saying, I'm not sure if it was him who was doing it or someone else, they were running along. He was he, a pretty good, he was coast-to-coaster, wasn't he? Yes, yeah. but he did some of those eco challenge type things. I'm not sure if it was him or it was someone else, but he felt some banging on, the, on his back, on his pack, and he was wondering what it was. And it was the person who was behind him, or it was him, their head was whacking into their pack because they were falling asleep, falling asleep when they were running along, and so their head was whacking in, and that would wake them up. Whack into the pack, wake them up, whack into the pack. That's just, that's just weird. What you multi-sport, multi-day athletes, you bunch of weirdos. Okay, so the question again is, which pro athlete would be the best if they had to do a continuous decker iron race? It's a really interesting question. So again, 38k swim, uh, 1800k bike, and then a 420k run. Stop as much as they want. Because you've got to think about the body type, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you think Fredino's the best athlete, but I wouldn't pick him for this. No, no, I would not. He's too big. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. And to be honest, it's probably female. Yeah, um, I, haven't re- I haven't thought about it yet. I'll wait till next week. Yeah, so um, uh, yeah, there we go. Okay, let's talk about our sponsor. Okay, this is one of our patron sponsors. Get your IM Talk gear at imtalk.me. Click on the store button, and we've got some prizes because. They're going to be uh, offering a $200 voucher for one of our patrons if you go on there and get some gear. Um, So you can either get a $200 voucher that's going to go to one of our patrons or if you go on there and get some gear, you're going to get a $200 refund on whatever you purchase. So we've got the full range of IM Talk gear in there, cycling, running, triathlon gear. Um, You can, the summer and winter items, you've got three different colours you can choose from. We've got the, I really like my um, sort of Lumo, which is sort of your fluoro yellow bright clothing. Yeah, it's really, really bright, isn't it? Wear that very regularly. Um, you've got a, the, our sort of classic black and blue, and then you've got the pink, which can be for the boys or the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so three different colours to choose from. It's all manufactured by Champion Systems. No minimum order and ships with tracking. So go to I Am Talk, click on the shop, and support the show. Go out there and wear some cool-looking gears. We've got a nice mouldy sort of design on there, and be a chance to either win a voucher or get uh, 200 bucks back. So check it out. I am talked about me. Well, well, two things about it. A, our design is awesome. Whoever designed it did a great job because yep. it's really beautiful gear. B, it is great gear. Mm. You know, like it's really good, really good high quality, you know, just really good stuff. And, and while you're there, now obviously we're promoting, you know, if you want to get some Iron Talk gear, but check out their other stuff. They've got some, you know, they've got collections from the World Series. They've got popular collections just in general. Um, yeah. And, and I imagine, can they do stuff for individuals? 
uh, if you've got your club and stuff like that, they can do customised stuff. Yeah, so if you want to get some customised stuff. But we want you to get IM Talk gear as well. Yeah, of course. You want to look cool in your IM Talk gear. So if you want to get some stuff, you can go to imtalk.me. But more importantly, just check them out, support what they do because they support us in the show. And if you are a patron, you go to Jordan when a $200 voucher. Get some cool iron talk there. Okay, John. One, one two, two, three, four. four high, high five. five. You joined me. I didn't. You don't really join me the high five. Okay, it seems topical, you're saying. So mountain well, snails in ma- through. Yeah. John, John, the, John the mountain snail Hancock. He said, through. John was up in Kaiteri and he was saying, did you have your wetsuit on or something? Well, no, I think he just knew I was going up there. So he wanted, he was encouraging me to go for some open water swimming. Okay, and he said, mate, get your, okay, you need to learn how to get in the water. Now, I was quite surprised by this high five because <laughs> what's your strategy to get in cold water? You generally, I generally go quick and just dive in. And you're Run and dive? Yeah. Run and dive. Get your shoulder. Don't try to do the creep and crawly. Don't let your shoulders go. Yeah. Don't get the frozen nuts. Yeah. You know, just run and get your head under. Yeah. But turns out I'm wrong. And, yeah. and we know this because the mountain snail is an expert at swimming. Well, mountain snail did get this uh, advice from Dan from Blue 70, who posted a little Facebook clip we'll have as well. Um, and it's basically tips for cold water swimming and getting in the water and getting accustomed to it. Okay, you go first. Number one, walk into the water slowly and focus on your breathing. This is the opposite to what Ben and I have just <laughs> I said. Reckon. This is the tip. Walk into the water slowly and focus on your so breathing. So I wonder what the theory behind it. Did, did, did you watch the video? I did, yeah. And did he tell you why? Uh, don't think so, but I've, I carry on and we'll, because okay. I've got some Number two is lower your torso in slowly and splash your face in a time and time with your deep breathing. This is mind-blowing. And I will say, though, that when this was done, it was done without a wetsuit. So this is sort of, you know, you're going, when you get when you, when you get a wetsuit and yeah. you're going in, it's just your feet and your hands and your face are getting cold. So this is more in tune with non-wetsuit swimming in cool, cold water. Okay. Number three, wait and focus on your breathing. There's a pattern here. So what he's saying here is you walk into the water, you sort of get to torso. the torso depth, and your you face. Just, then you're stopping there and you're just trying to calm yourself down rather than doing our ill-advised <laughs> run in and just go go nuts <laughs> technique. Uh, number four is after a couple of minutes, start swimming slowly. Be confident that your hands will warm up and the ice cream headache will go away. Number five, as the shock dissipates, pick up your stroke rate and get into it. And so, as we said, if you want to just see the clip of Dan going through this, uh, we'll have a link to, yeah, to a Facebook clip of him doing it. And he's doing it in open water in New Zealand. And he did win. Now, I will I will preface this by saying Dan does live in uh, Auckland, which is, for not, if you don't know your geography of New Zealand, it is in the North Island. The water up there, you can swim year-round with a wetsuit. Pretty fresh. Uh, but he posted this in June, so that's end of June. That's the middle of our winter. Uh, it'll still be pretty fresh up there. Oh, now, it'll be really fresh. Oh, in Auckland. It, uh, oh, you say Auckland is soft. It's, it's swimmable. Okay. Yeah, Auckland is our soft. <laughs> um, so I was not going to swim without a wetsuit in Kaiteri last week. Contemplated it, yep. but then I had my first wetsuit swim, and it was like, <laughs> this ain't happening. So I did try these tips walking in slowly with a wetsuit and sort of splash. Normally I'd just run and, and jump in. Yeah. And I did try walking in slowly, splashing some water on my face, um, having my hands in the water and just not going, uh, going, going for it straight away. And I did find it worked okay. Don't know whether it worked any better than if I jumped straight in, but it seemed to work okay. But does it, does it prolong the... Whew, yeah, but know? then you don't have that necessarily have that panic 
so you're not you know you run and you go running in and you jump straight in and you start stroking away and you're trying to go quite quick to, to warm yourself up that's when you can get quite hypoxic and panicky um, whereas this is just slowing down the process and just easing into it so I'd encourage most people to just give it a try okay here's, a, here's the think. million dollar question yes moving forward what are you going to do I think I'll, I'll try this again um, it did seem to, to work up there especially the first day I got in and I'm going to say it was probably 13 degrees centigrade oh, yes, at most yep. um, little Tommy couldn't handle it his face was was not in the water he was howling I, I eased into it and I managed to swim a K and by the time I'd done a K I was, I was okay I could have kept going so wait did he did he not swim he at all he did 300 but half the time his face was up and he was howling like a little <laughs> baby um, hey he beat you in the race mate he beat you in the race <laughs> so I'd say give it a go <laughs> like a little baby you just hear oh oh that, to breathe that was day one the second time we tried it, Belinda said she wasn't there. She said, my parenting wasn't potentially that good because <laughs> we, saw it, we thought there was a couple of jellyfish in the water and we were oh. told there was. And on the second time, we had Felicity on the stand-up the, the stand paddleboard and I said, right, if you see any jellyfish, you've got to make, we're going to follow you and you've got to yeah, get us around us. them and, and avoid them. And um, we started swimming and all of a sudden there was a shitload of jellyfish. Oh, really? Big mothers, like real really? big ones. And, I'm, and Felicity's not staying in front of her. I'm yelling at her. <laughs> Thomas is howling because he says it's too cold. There's jellyfish everywhere. He's freaking out. Felicity's in tears. And then Tom swims straight over the top of a jellyfish and is absolutely shitting his pants. <laughs> did he right get stung? Time. No. Because the witty. Yeah, he, did, he didn't. And so we had to evacuate the water <laughs> fairly quickly. And there was tears all around. <laughs> It was a disaster. <gasps> it's very rare you get jellyfish up there, though. These big brown ones with these really long tentacles. Have you been stung before? Uh, only mildly by tiny little blue bottles. Nothing that you yeah, they get, yeah. about. When I was in Hawaii with Joe and I, when we were in Maui, I got just the like, the little stringy bit from one, mm -hmm. and that was pretty decent. Mm. You know, if you got properly stung, it would, you'd know about it. Yeah. Oh. Okay, that's a high five. So your homework this week, not yours, but the listeners, is to go to wherever you are, no matter where you are in the world. Mm. You might be in icy, freezy, snowy places and try this strategy. Let us know what you think. Okay, Geek's Corner. Corner. Now, this is not for Thorsten. This yes, is for, it is from Thorsten. Oh, I, is it? I, I tasked Thorsten with uh, some research because a couple well, of delivered. weeks ago, I said... Joe Skipper has done seems to have done a lot of racing this year. Has he done the most out of everybody? And maybe just have a quick look, look into it. And, and Thorsten doesn't know the idea of quick look. No. <laughs> because he came back, and he's a bloody legend. He came back with basically who's, random, who's raced the most, but also who's covered the most distance. Mm. And uh, let's break it down. So uh, the most races of this is this year. Uh, Joe Skipper was indeed at the top. He did five... Ironman's now, when we say this year till this moment in the year, or correct. the last 12 months? You know, I, I'm not sure, but I'd say it's probably just this calendar year. Okay. Uh, he's done five Ironmans, two halves, and he's done 1,356 kilometres of racing, tied with Lionel Sanders, who's done four and four. However, I will say Joe Skipper definitely did do at least one other one. I know he got either DQ'd or, or something in, in 170.3, so Joe Skipper's on top. Uh and you got those two were well in front. Then you had a guy, William Manisol from France. He's done three Ironmans, 570.3s. We have our first female, Sky Maunch. She's done 
two Ironmans and six 70.3s. That will have gone up a bit because she's raced in the last couple of weeks. And Sarah Karpinski is uh, also on the same amount, along with Renee Kylie, uh, Ginger Howell, Sarah Crowley, and those ones have all done 1,130 kilometres of racing, and that was up till maybe a week and a half or so ago. So a fair amount of racing. He did also look into... He's got some interesting caveats here. So first of all, caveats, he, he, what he did say is he only did finishes, mm-hmm. so no DNFs, um, even if they were partici- uh, partial participation. Uh, only falls and halves, so nothing shorter, so if they did Super League or anything else, uh, and no in between, e.g. like Miami. Uh, Collins Cup counted as a half, even though it was slightly shorter, so... He, and he looked back into the archives yeah, this as well. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And he said back in, uh, looked back to 2018, Cam Worth did eight full Ironmans um, with more than 2,000 kilometres of racing. So let me let me go to PTO. So what, how do I find stats in PTO? PTO. Stats.pro uh, triathletes or something like that. and I'll look up Cam Worth. But Cam Worth did eight Ironmans in 2018. Uh, in 2017 and 2015, um, Mike Sheriff... Sheriffler did 10 Ironmans. Pete Vabrusik also did 10 in 2014 and 12 in 2012. Whoa. On the female side, Hilary Biscay did 9 in 2007 and 2008. So that's a lot of racing. Okay, that so is one thing I'll say about... Well, she was always racing because she was one of with Sutter, remember? Yeah. Was she was with Sutter and she was like, every weekend we're like, oh, she's doing it again. Mm. What did you do? She did eight that year, did she? She did nine. Yeah. She was... Hillary was an interesting athlete, wasn't she? She was never quite top level, but she just... Steady Eddie. Raced a lot. And, mm. you know, she did win a couple of men, didn't she? Yeah, I'm sure she did. Yeah. So look at Camworth in 2018. Um, he actually did a few halves as well. So he probably ran over, did over that, but he didn't win any Ironmen, but he got fourth in South Africa. So I'm just looking at Iron races here. Um, Challenge Venice, he got uh, he got second. Ironman France, he got third. He got fifth in Rote, third in Switzerland. He got second in Almere. He got ninth in Hawaii, and then he got second in Western Australia. So stellar year, but no wins. Yeah. Like lots of podiums and top 10 in Kona. So he won... He did win a, a a half challenge, but he won the one, two, three, four, yeah, four, five, five podiums in a top ten in Kona. Mm. So it was a great year, but no wins. And then came along next year and had a really good twenty nineteen. So he won didn't race as much, but he won Ironman Australia. He came third and wrote on Ironman uh, Italy, and then got fifth in Kona. Mm. So. And I would say, so how old is he? He's 38 now. You, you've often say, who suffered because of COVID? He's one of them, eh? And he would be one because he was really on that upward trajectory. Well, he got fifth in 2019. Mm. You know? um, and just needed a few things probably to go his way. His run just needed to be a little bit better. And he needed to have the right day where he was able to light up the bike. Um, I'm not saying he would win Kona, but, you know. He's one of those ones, if he, something goes wrong with a couple of guys, he could have yeah, got it. Yeah, he definitely could have got a podium. And you know, if Jan Fredino injured himself or something, who knows? And he's yeah, he's thirty eight now. Um, that's two years. Yeah, he would have been thirty six, thirty seven. Sort of, I don't know. You sort of in your yeah, prime yeah, totally. for him, you know, because he's pretty new to this, new to our sport. So um, was he a cyclist? Was he? He was a rower and then a cyclist. Okay. So, yeah, interesting. So I wonder why he went so crazy that year. 
because you would learn the craft. I think that's one way of learning it, isn't it? Mm. And I, and I look at you know the next year he won two races and got fifth in Kona, mm. so that there was a good investment of time. And then leading into twenty one twenty one, he only did three races in twenty twenty one, but he he got at the international triathlon. Don't know what that, that was, was in Spain, I think got fifth year, but he did win Copenhagen. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's probably one of those ones which, now we look at Fredino, he's 40, but Fredino's a freak, mm. you know, like, and, you know, is, has Camworth got a better performance in front of him? Maybe. No, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't write him off yet, but it's interesting. Uh, so thank you, Thorsten. You delivered on your geek homework. Mm-hmm. Well done. Do you want to do your coach's corner? What do you think? 47 minutes. Yeah, might as well give it a whirl. Give it a whirl, sure. Okay, Coach's Corner, Coach what are we going on? Corner. We're going to be talking about things you can do in your off-season. Now, you're going to do some brainstorming? Okay. Well, no, this is what we talked about last time. We talked about starting to think about your off-season training, doing some brainstorming, mentioned, you know, what is it, what's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck, you know, i.e. the easiest way to get your gains, how much time you've got what you enjoy doing and what you least enjoy doing. So just getting a bit of an idea on what you're going to do with your off-season. So stage two is sort of doing a bit of research and review. So what you want to do, you've had a bit of a think about, okay, this this is the area that I think I need to work on the most uh, to get as fast as I possibly can, if that's the route you want to go down. Um, so delve into the areas you think are going to give you the big, biggest bang for your buck and you you will have decided, have I actually got time to do that? So if one of the things is I really need to work on my bike endurance and I've got the time to actually invest into it. If you go, I need to work on my bike endurance, but I can still only train 10 hours a week, then you might have to come up with a slightly different strategy. So we're assuming you've kind of identified the area you want to want to look into. And some of this stuff is pretty common sense, but I think a lot of us don't always apply common sense to, to, to training. Yeah. Uh, so first do some research into different training methodologies. So again, another example, if you say I want to, I, I, to, I need to improve my 5k running time for whatever reason, maybe you're a short course athlete, but you say I want to improve my 5k time. So do some research into the different training methodologies on, on the way to do that. Um, have a look into, you know, what Experts in, in the area of running and triathlon running in particular sort of say works for the majority. Um, then you've got to have a think, is, is that what you've been doing already or is that radically different to what you've been doing? Have a look at the equipment you might want to get um, and whether you're in a financial position to be able to do that. So if, again, an example, if you need to improve a particular aspect of your cycling, is getting a smart trainer or a power meter or something, something you can afford and, and, a, and a, a route that you want to go down. So can you basically buy yourself some equipment to help with your goals and do you want to go down that path? Um, and while you're doing that research, you've also got to factor in other aspects. You know, If you want to improve your 5K run or you want to improve your 20-minute TTing ability on the bike, is it just all about the bike or is it just all about the run? So having a think about whether there's any strength and conditioning components that might help you achieve that goal, whether there's some flexibility issues um, going on that you need to work on. And one of the challenges you'll face when you're doing your research, which is what we're sort of talking about today, is weeding through the crap uh, and the rubbish that you find on the internet. So there's so much conflicting advice, so you kind of have to go to areas and people that you sort of respect their opinions and sort of weed through a bunch of articles to try to get a theory that you kind of agree on, because unfortunately you're finding find conflicting information on just about every different thing you can do out mm, there. It's a problem, isn't it? 
Um, then you, what you've got to do is, again, this stage is sort of thinking about, you know, research and reviewing where you're at. Have a think about your weakness and do a bit of research and decide if it is, in fact, a weakness. So you might go, my Ironman bike time sucks compared to where I want it to be, but you kind of got to do a bit of a reality check and have a look, you know, for example, if you've got a power meter and you go, my Ironman bike time sucks, have a look at, you know, some cycling books or some cycling references, look at your numbers that you produce in an Ironman, look at your numbers that you produce in a short course, and it might actually be that you're riding at the level you should be, but you just need to improve your overall cycling abilities. So if you you know if you know your functional threshold power, you look at what you produce in a short course race and you extrapolate that out, you know, if you look at Joe Friel's stuff, it might say, okay, if you ride XYZ watts in a a one hour FTP test, then this is your zone that you should be able to do for an Ironman. And if that's your, and if you're able to hit that, you'll go, okay, I haven't actually performed that badly in Ironman. I just need to improve my overall cycling abilities. Yep. So don't jump to conclusions just thinking, I suck, my Ironman bike time sucks. It might be that it's actually not too bad relative to where you're at. Um, next thing you need to think about with your sort of stage of doing your research and review is do you want to go down the coaching pathline, the online pro, uh, program, um, or do you want to try to figure it out yourself? You know, so is that going to be buying some some advice and some external perspective? And often it's external pr- perspective. And it, if you go, I don't want to have a coach, I don't want to follow an online program, even getting some outs- an outside view of a, a training mate or some people in your tri-community that can give you some ad- external upfront advice on where they see maybe your weaknesses at and try to take it on the chin rather than criticism. But it's a, but it's a really interesting question that, isn't it? Because it's that kind of thing of, um, you know, our sport is an expensive sport because mm. our gear is just, you know, and nutrition because nutrition is everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But a great investment is someone who can help. Hmm. You know what I mean? And like, are you better off to get, you know, an aero helmet which you think is going to give you two minutes? Although an aero helmet is probably that expensive. Although an aero helmet, what do you pay for an aero helmet? A thousand bucks? Uh, not that much. No, a couple of hundred bucks. Okay. Well, what's well a, it depends, but yeah. You know, let's say you're going to buy something that's going to be a thousand bucks and you think it's going to give you three bucks. Three. Well, a thousand bucks probably get you three or four months of coaching, hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's a really good investment of perspective, you know, insight, you know, motivation, you know, investing in advice, and there's levels of advice here is just buying a program. The problem with just buying a program is you often just end up getting confused. Mm. Um, but to get some, to, the, the real value of coaching for me is is that feedback. You know, if you get someone who, who's got great insight, now I know we're a really good coach, actually. Coach John, <laughs> but if, a lot of people do want to figure it out themselves, which is, which is fine, but just getting some external feedback and... Yeah, but the, the, the thing of what's the fastest pathway? Hmm. You know, so like... You know, myself a piano. I've played piano for years now. Now I always say, and this is, this is not being insecure. I'm not as good a pianist as the amount of time I put in. Mm-hmm. And it's because I, for the most, for the first four or five years, I just tried to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I got some lessons, like, why didn't I know this? You know, mm-hmm. and and you know, you just you make so many mistakes that you just you, you it's colours you can't see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then once so you're someone who's got experience and helping others and been there and done that. They you can they see these colours and go oh you need to see this colour oh shit and mm. you know and once like I, I'm not getting lessons at the moment but I got lessons for a couple of years with a brilliant um, tutor called Chris and he just taught me so much about how to think about music and how to learn music and you know I'm a much better player because I invested that time and my old way of going about doing it I probably would never even got to where I am today because mm. I just never really I would have never seen those colours mm. and so it's just important that you you know it's a great investment so some way 
get some external feedback on on where you're at. Uh, look back at uh, part of this review process, look back at your past performances, which a lot of people really don't do. They just go, oh, that was a good race, it was crap race, whatever. Um, and if you've got some race data, most people these days, you've at least got a GPS watch where you can go back and, and look at things, whether it be heart rate, whether it be pace, if you've got a power meter, power meter go back and look at what how you actually performed and so if, if you've got a training peaks account or even Strava or wherever you're getting your information look at the files and whether you paced your race evenly compare your results look for different themes did you consistently bike too hard so it may be that your, your, your training's not the issue it's your execution on race day so it's really important to go back and look at your past performances it's basically people don't do that eh? Mm. yeah you know I mean, they'll do it they'll just think that was a really good race yeah I biked pretty strongly um, ran okay, faded a bit in the last half, and and it's not really it's the weather in Christchurch today. It's crazy. <laughs> I can hardly hear Bevan talk. It's so bloody uh, windy and the house is howling. Yep. But yeah, looking back at those results and just delving into the data a little bit more, having a look at your nutrition. So again, it may not have been any error that you made in your races. It may have simply been a nutritional error. And again, do your research into okay, how much did I actually take in, in that race? what's recommended um, and am I close to the mark? Now, with nutrition, and we'll talk about this a bit later in the show, massive, massive, massive variation as to what is right for you. But if you're some, if you're having like in an Ironman, you're having less than say 40 grams of carbohydrate per hour um, throughout the race, unless you're extremely well fat adapted or you're going at a very low intensity and you're not really racing it, it's probably not enough. Um, so having a look back at that and look back, looking back at your training leading into the event for the for the 10 to 10 to 20 weeks leading in so it might have been you had a plan in place that was actually probably going to get you the result you wanted but you just had a rubbish um, training build up and have a bit of reality check on what you actually did versus what you actually had planned to do so that's stage two of sort of thinking about your off season is do kind of your research into the area you want to work on and do your review of how sort of last season or your last 18 months has gone. The greatest example of that last one is Kim Kim Brown. He like he raced reports for like forever. Yeah. And you go back and read them all. Yeah. Before he did an Ironman, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, like you just. But that's that's, that's that level, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you. You, you know, the, I love that in the Legends of Interview we did with Greg Bennett, and it was just that thing of that guy's a pro. You know, like that guy treats his job like a job. Yeah. You know, and and he ticked every box of what it means to be a professional athlete. He wasn't just a guy who was a great trainer and a great performer. The reason he was a great athlete was he was a professional athlete, mm. you know, and he did everything. Every, everything was like a business-like decision in how he was successful in his career. And when you listen to him, you go, he just left, left no stone unturned. Yeah. You know, and kind of what you're saying right now, this moment in this time of year is an opportunity for you to turn some stones, which can actually make you a better athlete moving forward. So, exactly. good stuff. Okay, let's go Wanger of the Week. week. Okay, Jumbo, uh, I'm going to say eight. Because I think it's eight degrees outside. I was just right now. looking at the longest activity, I think that's not a, not accurate. Uh, if, it, if I've got number two on the longest ac- uh, longest activity was Volker Voigt, the vascular Viking, twenty four hours and thirty six minutes. Let's just see if that's accurate for good old Volker or whether the, the Garmin watch has been left on for a little bit uh, too long. He did have a. I know, it looks, no, I think it could be. What about Rodrigo, yeah, Rodrigo no. Gomez? He yeah, did 59 could, hours. I know, but I'm not quite sure if that, I couldn't quickly see if that was accurate or not. But Volkers looks accurate. New solo record crossing Portugal north to south via N2. Anybody knows a faster credible time, let me know below. 
So he rode 725 kilometres in 24 hours and 36 minutes, basically doing the length of Portugal. Nice work. Well, I'm going to say, as much as I have said number eight, number one, Rodrigo Gomez, he is on every star of a group ever. Uh, He's (laughs) biking. 59 hours and five minutes of biking. Look at him. What what number did you come up with, Bevan? Eight, I said. Eight. Because I think it's eight degrees outside. Mark Pietrafessa. Oh, the fairly curly freight train. train. 21 hours and 42 minutes. Uh, he did 18 hours and 24 minutes of riding and three hours and 18 minutes of running. I'm pretty sure he did an Ironman fairly recently. I noticed his daughter got married, I think, oh, the last she? couple of weeks as well. He's a real lovely dad. Eh? He loves being a yeah. dad. Uh, oh, he loves his dogs as well. Look at all his dogs. Oh, he's got private profile request to follow. Um, it's Mark Pietrafessa. Let's have a look. Average rides the last five weeks, five rides. Um, average time on the bike the last five, four weeks is nine hours and 45 minutes. His longest bike ride is 308 kilometers and 308 kilometers. And his biggest climb, 3,053 meters. Wonder where that was. Because I'm not following him, I can't figure that out. So I'll do the old request to follow. I'm following him. Okay. Can you click on the, the biggest climb do? that he's done? We, we, uh, bottom right, bottom right corner. Okay, biggest climb three hundred side by side comparisons with you. Yeah. Okay, I found him. Just clicking on whenever it come. He did. Um, it was somewhere in. Just looks like from San Francisco down to somewhere down basically the coast of California. Basically, that seems odd. It seems odd. The longest climb. Can you click on the longest climb one? Oh, the longest climb. Yeah. Oh, my, I've just got a reminder pop up. Get my second COVID jab tomorrow. I got mine on uh, last Wednesday. Mm. Uh, longest, biggest climb. Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. 3,000 meters. So it's coming up right now. That is. Um, Might be in Kona, actually. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, Maui. To, yep. Oh, yep. Maui. Yep. Hmm. Uh, Hala Kala Summer. Don't know that one. Yes, because nice I didn't pronounce it right, but. Um, yep. If you're wondering what we talk about each time when we do the Wanger of the Week, just go into Strava and join our club on there. Just uh, search under clubs, look up I Am Talk podcast. And uh, this week, if you wanted to get in the top 100, which is the leaderboard, yeah, I was 82nd. I mean, so far this week. <laughs> uh, I've done one hour and 35 minutes so far this week. Uh, this week, if you wanted to get in the top 100, you needed to do more than 11 hours and 47 minutes of training. What's cool about the Mark's big longest climb is you start at ocean level, so like it's literally nice. up down. It's the same one. I'm not sure how the, how high the one in Kona is. It's pretty big it's in Maui because in Maui, because I stayed, well, we went to Maui post Kona with Joe and I did one time, and you literally see it. it's the peak of the Maui, and it's you know you can just yeah you know, literally go straight up, well not straight up, but it's kind of like a big zigzaggy, but yeah you, know, you go from water. We should do it next time we go to Kona. You get a road bike, do some training. Uh, well, you need to have some support in Hawaii and you need to, because you don't really want to bike down. Is it's, it pretty dangerous? Long, yeah, it's a long, long climb. How long, long did it take you? Uh, several hours, like multiple hours. Have you done it? No, I have not. Oh, no. like, like what, six hours? Uh, let's have a pause. I want to find this out. Okay, here we go. We're going to pause. We're going to pause. We're going to figure out how long it takes. What, what, are, we, what are we climbing? Well, it's, it's Mana Kia, isn't it? I think. Okay, okay, we're going to pause and we're going to be back with the answer to this. How long does it take to climb Mana Kiwa? Okay, we are back and we've done a research, John. So you're saying what? So to ride the to Mana Kia Summit, which is the highest point on Kona, you start at Waikoloa Beach, which is um, halfway down the Queen K 
in Kona and the total distance is 89.46 kilometres. This is the Strava segment. Uh, on Strava, it says only 112 attempts by 62 people. Really? I'm surprised it's not more than that. Oh, uh, it's pretty, 80, pretty full on. It is pretty full on. 89.46 kilometres, average grade 4.7 kilometres, lowest elevation 5 metres, so we start at sea level, highest elevation 4,200 metres. That is a big banger of a climb. The record at the moment is by Phil Gamon, who I'm pretty sure is an ex-pro cyclist, and I think he's got about a gazillion Strava records. 4.59.19. The queen of the mountains, and this is where it got interesting, is Sonia Bracegirdle, who we've had on the podcast. who have been sitting in this exact seat where I'm sitting right now. She's from Christchurch. Uh, she's a pro athlete. She's living in Holland. Um, and so she'll be... Was she the one who brought a partner? Sorry? She's the one who brought her partner. Yes. Yeah, she's lovely, yeah. Um, and she did an eight hour, and she's a patron of the, of the podcast. Oh, she's on you. 18, eight hours, 16 minutes and four seconds. So we're thinking, we uh, we actually have recorded this already because we had a bit of a technical error. Um, so we're back, in, we're talking about the same stuff again. We're thinking we'll do it together. John's going to be patient and wait for me. Yeah. <laughs> he said he wouldn't. John is not going to be patient and wait for you. <laughs> and we think it'll be about 10 hours for us. Oh, well, so about it doesn't look me. like when I look at Sonia's ride, it does not look like she was really pushing the pace. Like her power output's not particularly high. So sorry, Sonia, if you were pushing it, but certainly was going up a bit as she went through there, but not massively high. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe nine, but it would depend on your bike endurance. Um, wouldn't be interestingly, good, yeah. third on the leaderboard on Strava is Han Solo, in five hours and thirteen minutes. The force was strong of him. It was very strong. Although, was it? Han Solo wasn't. No, no, it wasn't as strong at all, actually. So that's... One thing we were talking about last time we talked about this was... What's that? Is it it my phone? Oh, it's my mum. Oh, what a rookie. You can wait. Turn your phone off. Mum, you can wait. My mum rings a lot. What a new phone you got over there. Yeah, I got the 13. God. Yeah, I needed it. My phone was dying. We're we're out of the Apple world now and phones are just too expensive. Do you know what? If you actually... if, If you own a business... Mm-hmm. You're taxing your GST, and then you sell your old one. This actually ended up costing me in my own pocket about seven hundred bucks. Right. So my phone cost me about three hundred bucks in my pocket. Yeah. See, but yeah, but yours is a shit phone. On quality. <laughs> Mine's a great phone. Mine was amazed. I've got an Oppo. I was amazed at the picture taking ability of my phone. Who's this? Who is Belinda? Oh, there you go. Takes good photos. Um, so there you go. If you want to go and ride, uh, come come to Kona uh, and do Manakia. It's on my bucket list. We're going to do it next. If one. we go this year. There's a chance we might no, we're not go going this year. We'll go next year. Well, it's a year away from now. Like Kona was supposed to be last weekend. We probably should have actually done a Kona show today. Uh, we're one year away. Unlikely, possible. We'll see. The next time we do it, I'm thinking we make I'm our return 2023. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking that's what's happened. We're going to go back. Yeah. Uh, the, the, for the non-Kiwi listeners, our challenge is it's not so much getting out of the country. It's getting back in. It's getting back in. Well, it's surely by this time next year you'll be able to. Might be okay, but yeah. at the moment, you basically you just, leave. You don't want to confirm anything, do you? No. Okay, uh, let's get into questions, questions and answers. answers. Okay, so we've got an email here through, let me just put up my normal notes here, John. I've, I've slid down the page. Lord Flashheart Thompson. And he's got a couple of comments. First of all, it, it turns out mountain biking is not that good. He said, perhaps a possible discussion of the week, and we will use this next week. On Sunday, I took a tumble on my mountain bike. I took on my AC joint, cracked a few ribs, and sustained a collapsed lung, which would not be fun. Um, I'm rapidly creating a pattern of indiscretions. Two months ago, I snapped my collarbone, mountain bike, plus various minor ball wounds in the interim. As I sit here and contemplate my 22 season, 
I'm seriously considering whether I can risk continuing mountain biking given the high medical risks and the adverse impact on triathlon. The question which we're going to use next week is, what are people's experiences of having to stop or give up something and be able to be a continuing triathlon? I don't like getting emails like this because I've just started back on my mountain biking quest. Have you had any big crashes? Nothing major on the mountain bike, but I'm a bit of a wuss. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, I go down some reasonably steep stuff, but I don't do it particularly fast. Next item. Last year, I decided to start taking salt tablets as a means to prevent cramps, which I usually suffer from. I've been utterly amazed at the unexpected impact this has had. It seems to have addressed the cramping issues, but more importantly, it has allowed me to maintain my mental focus i.e. during long rides, runs, etc. and events. When you start to fade, I would struggle and, and not make the best decisions, struggle to do simple math, i.e. pacing and timing, and also be quite defeatist. I am tired, I'll, so I'll stop. Simply taking SOP tablets has allowed me to ma- retain my decision-making capabilities, uh, think clearly, and to be less defeatist. I'm utterly amazed. This is probably try 101, but thought there might be an interesting discussion around electrolyte, salt, and their importance. So I'd, if, if, if you're somebody who does cramp a lot, I'd encourage you to go back to episode 732 where we did an interview with the guys from Precision Hydration around um, electrolyte intake. Granted, they're obviously um, in that business, so they're going to be you know, singing its praises. But there is massive variability, much like nutrition, on how much um, electrolyte, salt, salt, etc. you need to be taking in. So some people... Hard, don't need hardly any, especially in not a particularly uh, hot event. Other people, no matter what the event, they need a crazy amount. Yeah. Uh, so there's massive variability. One of the things you find is when you do get really dehydrated, dehydrated, and electrolytes are, are low, is your blood volume is sort of reduced. Your sweat loss, um, as is your sweat losses, and then you it increases the strain on your cardiovascular system, making it harder for you to pump your pump blood around to cool your skin your heart rate goes up and it's kind of a bit of a cascading effect so um, it doesn't happen to everybody it happens to a number of people if you're going to a hot race you definitely want to be considering your electrolyte intake um, but some people like maybe Neil like the guy who uh, was Andy Blow who founded um, Precision Hydration he was losing like I think it was 1800 milligrams of sodium per hour which is a crazy amount and that can be as low as a couple of hundred so massive variation if you're one of those people that is losing massive electrolytes you can probably expect some similar experiences to that that good old uh, lord Flashheart found here yeah, good stuff okay john let's go your swim set oh i did go for a swim this morning new pool brand new pool only opened 10 days ago uh, took little tommy down there because we've got lots of restrictions around swimming at the moment and how many you can have in lane so we just went down by ourselves we did, uh, what did we do? We did 300 warm-up, 3 times 100 IM, and then we did 6 times 200, descending 1 to 3, so sort of steady, moderate, hard, steady, moderate, hard. <clears throat> 200, where we did 25 drill, 25 swim, 6 100s descend, 1 to 3, 4 to 6, 200 drill, and then we did 425 sprints, where I was giving him about a three-second head start each run, yep. and I didn't catch him once, which was a little bit frustrating. Seems and to be a theme in your life right now. <laughs> and then uh, 100 metres warm down, that was 3K. Oh, good stuff. Uh, let's say thank you to our patrons. We've got a few patrons. First of all, we'll go, uh, you go first, John. Matt, the Albatross Young. We've got Craig, the Time Lord McCarthy. And Julian, the Commandant Swartz. Now, are we doing the prize draw now, or are we... 
We'll do a quick prize draw. So th- special big thanks to our um, Patreon partners, the World Triathlon Store. We'll be in the draw to win 200 bucks um, a voucher or a refund on purchasing any IM Talk gear via our IM Talk store. We've got profile design and profile pretty awesome. They've got hydration, wheels, storage, aero bars, stems, handlebars. If you're racing a long course and haven't got a front bottle system, you can get one from Profile Designs. Go collection slash front systems and grab one there. It's a really important tool. And Magic 5, do custom fitted swimming goggles. Check them out at magic5.com. So custom made, you basically get a scan of your face through their, their app. They go away, make your goggles. Um, so if you're somebody who really struggles with goggles that are ill-fitting and leaky. I did, I always did. Check them out. Um, Initially, my thoughts these things are going to be just crazy expensive and, and a bit of a gimmick, um, but they're really not that expensive when you look at other you know, good range goggles in the market. So when I last checked, um, you get like three pairs for 200 bucks New Zealand, so that's about 50 bucks US a pair. Um, so check it out, the Magic 5, and we've got a prize winner this week who's going to win themselves some goggles from these guys. Oh, so the goggles I get in this week? Okay, goggles. the winner is How Dolphin, Not Brown Cow. How now, brown cow? But we actually, the reason we got this wrong, because it's not actually how is how you pronounce it, it's actually Hugh. H-U-W. Oh, it's, it? it's, it's, a Welsh, it's a Welsh name. The but Welsh we, names, but Yeah. So Hugh uh, Dolphin, you are the proud owner of some new Magic 5 goggles. So is it Hugh, how now, brown cow? Yes, it <laughs> okay. is. But we'll go with how now, brown cow, Dolphin. <laughs> Uh, some nice work if you want to come, come on board support the show you're in to win some cool prizes and support what we do on a weekly basis Hugh you're a bloody legend thanks, thanks for supporting the show and if you do want to become a patron just go to www.iamtalk.me go on the prize draw to win some, some cool prizes more importantly just support the show and it really means a lot to us uh, if you want to get the show emailed to you down at the front page of the I Am Talk website just go to the front put your email in if you want to become a patron I've already done that coaching coachjohnnewson.com my podcast bevanjamesisles.com cool wage group of the week's websites other feedback I Am Talk podcast at gmail.com so tell us John what, what happened because so I've, I've been saying to you how long is it going to be and you said a couple of years yes and I still think that'll hold for a triathlon I <laughs> Probably be proven wrong. Well, he's so been in swim this morning. No, he's. I'm much quicker swimmer. Uh, yeah, in his face. So I've got that. So we went up. We were doing a mountain bike. It's windy now. It is. So it was a 4k run um, off road. It was was it was shingle off road. It wasn't anything too technical. 4k run. Uh, it was a 17k mountain bike. Was all flat. I thought it was just going to be a grind, just going straight up these. It was on these sort of forest trails. I thought, and I was a little bit wrong. It was going in and out of all these trees, through these gigantic big puddles, and it wasn't technical, yep. but uh, it was a, required more skill no than, than I, yeah, and, and if, it's one of those things, if you did all the little things right, you could make up big time, yep. and Tom's quite good at little things, yep. you know, just coming out of the corners and accelerating nice and quickly, and choosing the right lines through puddles and so on, I'm not making excuses yeah, well, at all, we're hearing but excuses. it was more technical than I thought it was going to be, so 17Ks. I think it took us 40 minutes. So wait a second. So, so the run was what? First run was what? Four, 4K. So coming out, out of the run, what, who was leading? So there was one guy who was going to spank us both, yep. um, uh, Hayden Squance. He's a, he's a good athlete and so knew it was not going to be a contest there. Yep. And then I thought it might be, probably be me and then maybe Tom and might be a couple of other locals. Yep. So take off. And, and Tom said to me before the race, what pace are you going to run? And I said, ah. Oh, Probably just going to shoot for about 3.45 per K, yep. 3 minutes 45. Um, not an amazing shape moment. He goes, oh, I'll be a bit slower than that. So we take off, and uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in second place. 
and we're about 500 metres into the run. He comes gassing around the outside and is leading into this sort of the so, first turn. So you're thinking amateur era? Yeah, I'm looking at my watch going, he's probably running about 3 minutes 35 per K yeah. there. And he just kept pulling away. I was like, oh, bloody hell, he'll blow up, it's all right. Yep. Uh, I did start pegging it back late in the run. Um, and so he started the bike. We were still in hit in transition. I was maybe 15 seconds behind. Yep. Um, and again, he's good at transitions. I've got these clunky old mountain bike shoes and I okay. don't pay as much Gang, attention. All we're hearing is excuses. I'm going to catch him up on the bike. Yep. doesn't matter too much. Yep. Take off on the bike. I can just see him in the distance, but you can't see them very often. Yeah. I think, oh, it's all right. I'll catch yeah, up. Yeah, I've got this. I've got this. I'm stronger on the bike. I've got, I've got 40 years of endurance. And I'm riding through the bike, and there's lots of sections where you can't see them. Can't see him. Get to the end of the lap one, thinking, oh, I still can't see him. And now, on the first lap, I could actually see him here. And now I can't. I'm thinking, he's bloody pulling away from me, the little shit. Uh, and got off the bike, and I could still I could see him. So, wait, so how, how long is the second run? Second run's still 4K. Oh, so, okay. And get off the bike. Still see him. I'm going to say, I probably should have looked at the splits before this, but probably had 40 seconds on me. So you're thinking, that, I've got him. Well, I'm thinking, he's probably going to blow up. You know, this is this race was going to an hour 10, which yep. is quite long for a 14-year-old. Yep. You know, I should be okay. Started the run and was going, oh my God, my legs are absolutely <laughs> rooted. Had that real hard quads, jelly legs. Because yep. we've been through these big puddles that were freezing cold. Yep. I was really quite cold. <laughs> Oh no, this is going to be a bit harder than I thought. And wasn't really making much time up on him. So it was two laps. Second lap, I'm starting to close in yeah. reasonably quickly. Yeah. But I'm not catching him quick enough and I didn't catch him in time. And so he beat me by maybe 10 to 15 seconds, I think it was. And was it's he, not that was I was. Was he pretty pumped? He was, pretty, he was pretty pumped. He was keeping it under wraps, but he was pretty happy. <laughs> but it's not like I went shit. I mean, I think my average pace across the two runs was 3.41. Okay. So it's like, that's a fair representation of where my running's at. Yeah. And I didn't bike badly. I could have done better. Yeah. But even if I'd raced really well, it still would have been very close. So good on him. Yeah, but yeah, good on him. But it, on a, that's a cool moment in his life. Mm. You know, he'd been dead. Yep, it was. So, and then he got a new bike. I got him a new bike. Would oh, then you said bike. that. Yeah, so was he over the moon? He was, he's very pumped with his new bike. Yeah. It's a good bike. Good cube bike. Yeah. So that was that. Yeah. It's all over. It's over. Mm. Don't turn your back on me now. What's been happening in your world, Devin? You missed me two weeks since oh, you've seen have me? I, I've lost so much sleep. Tell mm. you, serious. I don't think I've had any sleep. Just where's John? Mm. I had photos of him beside my bed. Mm. Yeah. Oh, don't go that, down that path. <laughs> Did you hear his chest out? <laughs> um, well, one thing I have been doing, we've been having Joe's nieces staying with us for a few days, school holidays and stuff, and I've been playing a lot of chess. Right. Thomas beat you in uh in the race? Yes. I got downtrod in chess. Really? I'd get downtrod by him in chess. So I don't play it with him because he's quite good. Is it? Yeah, so is Amelia. So Amelia's 18, um, but she's really good. Mm. And so then, so she, she played, we played, we got a board, we got a couple of games of the board, I know her, but then I found a game which was basically random chess. Mm. And what you do, it's really quite cool. So you do, they give you the board and it's pieces on the same places, but it's random pieces. So you might have three queens, oh, right. two two knights, you know. Yeah. You know, and, and but both sides don't have the same teams. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's a it's really fun, but and uh, she still beat me at that. I did, <laughs> I, I did beat her once. Yeah. And did I let her know about it? And I pulled out and I beat her in the last game. So I pulled out the old oh, when it takes all. Yeah. <laughs> that old chestnut. Nice. She wasn't happy about that. Other than that, John, I'm looking forward to Bond. 
You going to Bond? We nearly went to it up in Nelson. It was a day late opening. Oh. It was a really rainy day. And we're like, what should we do today? Bond. Go to Bond. It doesn't start till tomorrow. Oh, dreads. It's a long movie. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, apparently it's 165 minutes. Yeah. Apparently, it didn't do so well in America. So the last Bond made 70 million the first weekend. Mm. This one only made 50. But they think that one of the problems is, is because it's so long, they can't run it so often. Right. Yeah. And COVID, maybe. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Because the week before, Venom got 90 million. Okay. So yeah, so worldwide it's done really well, but in America mm. it didn't do as well as what they thought it would. But they think that might be the runtime was, yeah, that's a long low attention span. In Americans, oh, well. <laughs> I have to admit because we've got the big theater here, which I love, and I tend to watch a movie every Friday. I don't want to watch anything over two hours. Mm. You know, I'm good for ninety minutes, two hours, I really like. But once I see it starts going to that two and a half, I'm like, oh, mm. it's a long time. But Bond, we'll, we'll go to, we'll go to mm. theater, especially for an action movie. Yeah, yeah. And it, when do you go to the toilet? Yeah, because I. Take the bottle in. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done that? No. <laughs> no, I've not. I had a drinking problem when I was younger. And there's, there's moments where you know you need to change. I've got, there's probably about four moments which are defining. But one of them was I actually, I peed in a movie theatre. Mm, yeah, dear. that was not good. I've I got a peeing story. I've probably told this before. We were doing a sports science exercise. We were, te- what were we testing? It was basically a hydration test. And... It was glycerol okay. we were testing yeah. to see if that had any impact. And I've probably told this before. No, I don't think you have. <laughs> we had a, you had a set, a set breakfast you could have. They like gave everything to you in a plastic bag. Yep. And you were to go, I can't remember exactly when you were supposed to go to the toilet or you weren't allowed to go to the toilet in the morning or whatever it yeah. was. But anyway, I turned up the hospital and I was busting <laughs> and they give you a bottle to fill up. Yeah. And this was like, it was a gigantic bottle. And I f- filled the bottle <laughs> you know where to go. and I had to go get another one. And the nurses, you know, things like that, they've, they've seen all sorts of things. And she kind of looked at me twice going, really? <laughs> How did you not piss your pants? Um, but I filled a lot of fluid on that. One time days. years ago, me and my friends did a, a, basically like a Who Dares Wins weekend or a Fear Factor weekend. And we, we had, you had to come along and you had to write five things on a piece of paper. And then we had to be pretty crazy. And and then you drew it out of the hat, and it was basically last man standing. Mm. We did crazy, like you had to wax your balls, you had to <laughs> you had to shave your eyebrows, you had to I had a pig snout, I had a whole can of cat food. It yeah. was just like all crazy stuff like that. But the thing that oh no, that was, this wasn't the thing that got us. But one of the things was you had to drink a glass of water, and it was basically last man standing. We need to go to the toilet, so mm. you basically I think you had to drink a glass of water every maybe five minutes or ten minutes, mm. and then it was just last man standing. Oh my god, it was so hard. But our mate Duncan, he just won because he just he just kept he just kept still. Like seriously, you know it's like when you're busting, you're holding yourself, you know, you're bending over, you're moving around like we're we're all looking like we're doing a dance party holding our diddles. And and Duncan's just sitting there calm like this and he just broke us mentally. And I remember the pee because it ends up hurting your kidney. Oh yeah, you know, that's, that's a pretty dangerous yeah. thing to do. Drink last night. And I remember my my partner Raylene at times video camera me. That's how old this is. She's video cameraing me while I'm going for the pee. I'm just going fuck off, leave me alone because I just hurt so much to pee. So yeah, don't don't do that game, guys. Video cameras. That's the thing of the past, isn't it? The problem is, at least nowadays digital, you can put it and it stays somewhere. I don't even mm. know where that would be nowadays. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mino. Train hard. Train smart. Kick